There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening, my friends. Welcome to the show about money. I am Wolfgang Klein here to help you have more of it. Uh, indeed, hope you're having a good evening so far. Jack, how you doing? Very well, thanks. It's great to be uh, on air with you again. Indeed. Well, let's uh, let's make some money. Uh, indeed, it, you know. Again, the show's about uh, business. It's about life. It's about planning. Uh, it's about the spirit of. Well, I'll say capitalism and entrepreneurship. Um, and, of course, uh, Jack and I invest in great big companies uh, that have valuations north of, what, $10, 20000000000 billion plus. Um, but uh, I also have a lot of respect and a lot of time uh, for the uh, entrepreneur, the small business owner. And I, it's fascinating to watch these new ideas um, uh, germinate and, and then grow into uh, wonderful, wonderful enterprises. Uh, and that's what we need more of in Canada, more entrepreneurship. And I like to support it and promote it and uh, encourage it. So it's a delight and a pleasure to be uh, spending some time this evening uh, with that, a uh, entrepreneur, uh, CEO, president, founder, dishwasher, busboy, uh, Mr. Jacob Moshinsky, uh, founder of Movieware. Uh, first, I went to your website, Jacob, and thank you for joining us. But the first thing that came to my mind was, help me, I've fallen down, I can't get up. Uh, so please tell me, and, and I, I took the history on your company, where the idea germinated from is very cool. So uh, Jacob's involved in, 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 in wearables uh, to basically help individuals who get themselves, well, who perhaps have a fall. Uh, so thank you for joining us, Jacob. Share with us again the business idea, where it came from, what you do, uh, and then we'll, we'll get further into the conversation. No, thank you. And I uh, appreciate both of you having me on the show. I'm really, uh, really excited to be here and uh, be sharing my story with you guys. Um, <clears throat> so, yes, uh, the, the Afan I Can't Get Up is actually a, a real story that happened in my family. Uh, we're having a family brunch uh, one day, and my family's trying to get a hold of uh, my uncle. Uh, we couldn't get a hold of him. At the end of the day, the phone kept ringing, ringing. Nobody answered. They ended up going over to his apartment uh, to look for him. The the keys that they had worked, but he had additional locks on the door, so they couldn't actually get into uh, the deadbolt lock, so they couldn't actually get into his apartment. Long story short, they had to climb up to his second floor balcony to break open the balcony door and get into his bedroom to look for him. Uh, by the time they got there, <clears throat> they found him with his uh, head on the floor and his two feet on the bed. It was a uh, sad situation because he had passed away from a heart attack, according to what we, we were told. Uh, so it was a very sad situation. I said, hey, I don't want this to happen to others. Uh, I've worked for many years in Rogers and Tullis here in Toronto, the big tacos. And I said, hey, I need to be able to do something with my experience of having worked as a product development manager in these technologies and B2B side and B2C side, managing big portfolios and understanding all the technology. So it's like, how can I, um, how can I use my, my experience to try and do this? So what I do was uh, four years ago, uh, I created what we call the Nurture Watch, which is the first uh, 4G wearable device that allows us to have fall detection, as you mentioned. It's got medication reminders. It's got you know two-way conversations and everything because it's a 4G embedded. And that's sort of where the the business got created. And that's sort of my our first iteration of where my company started about uh, four years ago. We launched that device over two and a half years ago, and now we're in a whole 
different scheme in terms of what we've advanced our technology and what we've come forward to. But that's sort of the, uh, the initial point of how we started. Um, so let's go back to, because again, um, I lost my mother five or six years ago. Oh, and uh, same, yeah, yeah, but same thing. We, we ended up getting her a, uh, I guess it was a medical alert um, product. Uh, she wears it around her neck. Uh, she pushes <laughs> the button when there's an issue. And uh, immediately the ambulance would be notified and help would arrive on the way. And in fact, I think there was incorporated into that even a lock box that you would put on the front door with a key to it to allow help to get into the house. Uh, and again, I'm sure you, I know you've done your homework. You're a very, very smart man, uh, Jacob. Um, but so, so how do you differentiate yourself from the product that is currently uh, in the marketplace? That's a great question. Number one, sorry for the, uh, the loss of your family, of your mom. Um, but to differentiate, it's a few different things. Is um, <clears throat> Number one, our, we start off by having the Nurture Watch itself has seven important features. It's got number one, it still has the SOS button. Uh, it still allows two-way phone calls to come in, not just to a central dispatch center, like the one you're mentioning, but also to friends and relatives. Uh, they can call that phone number and can also call out to three specific phone numbers on there. Uh, it's a very, you know, keeping it simple uh, watch because all that the person can do is press the SOS button or dial one or three phone numbers on there. Uh, but what's most important is because it's got three phone numbers which are programmed remotely by caregivers or a call center, it also has what we call fall-down detection. So in case someone does fall, uh, it actually makes sense alerts to everybody in the family who's got the app and more remote monitoring and any central command center that's also monitoring the person. And the call gets initiated right away to the person. And three, it shows you their actual GPS location of where they are, whether they're inside or outside the house or whether you're in Cuba or in Barbados or in uh, Florida where it's not COVID times. Uh, so you can actually, because it's got a 4G embedded connection on there. And also be able to measure the heart rate and it's got medication reminders on there. So it, it's got a whole lack of other features on there. That, again, everything is controlled remotely uh, by either the caregivers and or central command center without having to actually have the end user do anything. So we're, and we've added artificial intelligence for fall detection so you can predict some of the movements of the user and actually understand, hey, something critical may be happening or is happening. Uh, we're getting your alert to all the care, all the you know caregiver circle, so they can actually action something right away. And that's where we sort of started, and that's what sort of differentiates us versus the other watches or other devices on the market. They just have a simple button that you look at a press, and, and it goes to one call center, and that's it. But we're, I just came back from CES, uh, visual uh, visually and um, remotely, and one of the big things that happened there was do-it-yourself healthcare, so do-it-yourself healthcare management. So being able to manage your, your loved ones uh, remotely from wherever you are, not have to always depending on third parties, not always having to depend on um, on externals, uh, doctors to actually take care of your health. This is the idea to take care of your health. And that's sort of where I've evolved since I started and launched a watch about two and a half years ago, the company was launched up. Uh, four years ago, uh, and now we've evolved to our version two of the watch with 5G-ready uh, nurture watch. But not only that, uh, the most important part of it is we're now able to connect to uh, an accessory uh, that can it's an ECG accessory that can measure your heart rate, it can measure your your um, your blood, your heart variability, it can measure a whole bunch of uh, vital sign statistics from you without actually having to you wear expensive equipment or worry about, you know, something really being uncomfortable along you or having have 
even worse. A nurse can care of you 24-7. So at the end of the day, we're trying to reduce the burden on families. And I had a grandmother as well many years ago, and I remember her being, you know, she had stomach cancer. I remember her having a nurse 24-7 taking care of her, had all these vital signs being measured to her. And at the end of the day, because this is a small little pack that just sits on your chest or on your shoulder, uh, it can measure all these different very heart rate variabilities and vital signs and your temperature, et cetera. And you have to watch, which automatically communicates that information to our central medical uh, platform that actually tells you exactly what's happening in someone's uh, um, situation right now, remotely from wherever you are in the world. And I think that's where we really differentiate ourselves and have, you know, 24-7 remote healthcare through, again, a medical safety platform as we, we can remotely monitor through an app or through a tablet or through a computer, wherever in the world you are, our wearables, um, which is a 4G watch. And we also have an IoT uh, box. If people don't want to wear a box, they can have a pendant that they prefer or a little box that's just beside the, the, the desk, the table. And they can also have the Vitalsan accessory, uh, which can measure, as I mentioned, your ECG, your blood pressure, uh, your temperature, etc. And I think that's where we really make a difference in today's world is trying to create something that's not just for the purpose of having a gadget or having a, a Fitbit per se, it's having something that's useful and really needed for the senior population. If you're just tuning into the show, of course, it's a show about money. I am Wolfgang Klein, a portfolio manager, Jack Hartle, my partner, another portfolio manager, two for one when you do business with us. Uh, it's just a, a pleasure and a privilege to be able to uh, do a broadcast uh, each and every week on the Global News Radio Network, 640 Toronto. I have the opportunity to speak to some brilliant minds, and uh, right now we're joined with Jacob Moshinsky, the uh, founder of MoviWare, Canadian tech company. Uh, he was just featured uh, at the Consumer Electronics Show as part of the delegation from the government of Ontario. Very impressive. Lots of global press as a result of that. And uh, you're off to Japan. I understand, in a few weeks as well to speak about your wares. But uh, yeah, I want to get back. To, I want to play a little bit of, uh, you know, Dragon's Den or Shark Tank with you. Um, <laughs> you, you well, you're getting into the wearables business. If I may begin, we're going to go to commercial break in about a minute here. But if I may begin, what was your R&D cost to build a device? How did you go about building a device? And how long did it take you to build a device? Can you maybe give us that in 45 seconds, help set the stage and go to break it back to you? Uh, get back to the show there, Jacob? Sure. Uh, very quickly, is using my connections. Uh, there's two parts of creating the software and the hardware. The software already had experience and knowledge and the contact to build that. Uh, and then the hardware, I already had people in China who already knew who can help me build out what I wanted quickly based on the mold that I gave to them. So the physical watch is built in China based on our dimensions. It was built over under $100,000. And then our software also took under $100,000 to build. So we're very tight in terms of how we do our money. But again, all the software, all the brain, and all the artificial intelligence is made here in Toronto. And that's where we continue to grow our, our bread and butter of the business. How long did it take you from start to finish, uh, from idea to getting a product in your hand that worked? How long did that take? Yeah. Um, about a year and a quarter, about a year and uh, three months. That, that is, in this day and age, to be able to come up with concept to product uh, on, the, on an international platform. Uh, Jacob, you move. Uh, Jacob Oshinsky, founder of MoviWare, a very, very cute, uh, cool uh, Canadian wearable company that's tying right into a whole lot of things that matter. Um, uh, to Teladoc, uh, uh, do-yourself, healthcare. 
um, you know, remote COVID. It's, it's all playing into it. And of course, the aging population and uh, taking care of our loved ones and being, and, and being informed and aware and communicating with our loved ones has never meant more to us, I think, than it does right now. So I think you're on to something, Jacob. Let's go to a quick break and get back to uh, Jacob Boshinsky, yep. founder of MobiWare, right here on Hi-Fi Radio. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You got one with us, my good friends. Yeah, a date with the Wolfman. We're going to talk money on this date. Uh, we do it each and every Saturday night on Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. Oh, it's so much fun. And it's educational, uh, certainly for Jack and I, because we bring up such great guests and ask such interesting questions and get some interesting answers. Uh, right now we're speaking with an entrepreneur, uh, Mr. Jacob Moshinsky. Uh, he used to work for the big telecom companies. And, well, life moved on, decided to make a pivot and a career change and uh, follow a dream. Uh, and, you know, I think that's great, Jacob. I, I really, really do. Um, but the, the wearables market, again, we spoke about how quickly you were able to come to market with a product. Um, certainly, Teladoc is a stock that I've been watching. And, uh, you know, this remote medical uh, digitization, um, access to information, connectivity, you know, it, it just plays into so many different sectors. Um, and, of course, with, with COVID locking us in, we don't want to move, uh, but we still need information about our health. And, well, fortunately, technology enables each and every one of us. And, well, you're enabling people to have uh, greater comfort when they're dealing with challenging situations. Um, for example, you know, managing uh, elderly care uh, when uh, their health begins to deteriorate and wearables is uh, obviously a growing theme in that category. But I have to say that the, the, the landscape um, is so competitive um, and, and you're just seeing more and more of it. So, so I ask you, but you know, again, you're, 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 you're young into the business. Um, what do you think the end game is for your company? Let, let me backtrack for a second just to, to clarify something I think it's important for you to know is, or the, the listener, sorry, the senior healthcare markets are $632 billion market right now. And the, the telemedicine, including, is around $71 billion. And there's, within the, the healthcare market is also around uh, $35, $36 billion in exponentially growing of the wearables market itself. So just to take that into consideration is because there's a lot of competition out there in terms of there's a couple of main competitors out there and there's, you know, the, the knockoff brands out there. Uh, my end dream is probably going to be being able to to sell off my company to one of the medium larger players or another telemedicine company uh, who we're partnering with, uh, so they can you know take this and you know really make really take us to the, you know the exponential level worldwide. And as you mentioned, going to Japan uh, virtually in the next couple of weeks, so that's why it's going to be really important. That's what my dream is. But then to go back to your thing about competition and about how we differentiate and. How do we compete as a young company versus these uh, conglomerate, global conglomerates? I'll give you like a quick one-minute background uh, comparison, I should say. Is you know, take a look at the big Apple. Uh, you got the you got a proprietary system. It's difficult to use. If you actually have an Apple Watch, you'll notice that there's too many icons on there, and you're talking to a senior. They can't really understand how to manage, especially when they're talking about 25 plus. It's difficult for them to manage all the different icons, understand everything that's happening on there. 
That will change, but right now that's very difficult. And our watch, we only have one icon, which is a three-four. You tap on it at the three-four numbers you can call out to, and there's a red physical SOS button on the side of the watch. So we're keeping it very simple. And at the same time, we're two to three times cheaper in terms of our two two times cheaper on our MSRP to the end users. And we're able to adapt via a whole bunch of back-end uh, open coding systems to allow companies to actually partner with us without having have challenges in doing so, which is a big apple you can't. That's one big competitor to, to understand. The other competitors out there, how we differentiate, as you mentioned, the one that your, your mother had is the, the Phillips Lifeline one. You know, they're very simple, very, very, very one, one product strategy. And we're able to use you know, a whole bunch of other systems that we have in our system that we have artificial intelligence now for heart rate and for fall detection. And these kind of stuff, and we have the ability to make two-way calls to our families, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But to cut the game short is what we're having a really good uh, traction with and interest right now is from telemedicine companies. So people who are creating a telemedicine or, or ECG patches company, because these companies are already in long-term care homes. These companies are already helping uh, people remotely through their own one-on-one virtual medicine uh, consultations. And the doctors and the patients need something that's a little more continuous healthcare monitor. And that's where I see either one of the big conglomerates or one of these other bigger telemedicine companies come in and uh, the, who we're partnering with and take us over. And that's where I think the, the companies, the telemedicine companies, the ones that are growing exponentially and taking care of and have a full remote view 24-7 of people's healthcare are the ones that make sort of our ideal partners, which we have right now, and two of the ones who will probably end up taking us over. So Jacob, I'd just like to jump in here. It's Jack. I just want to talk to you a little bit more about your business model because Wolfgang was talking about, you know, the dragon's den and, you know, what people are looking for these days. So what is the cost of your device? Like you said, it's much cheaper than uh, the competitors' products. And then what, what's the revenue model? Is it a subscription-based model? Because, you know, that's really what the street is looking for, reoccurring revenue uh, in the tech industry. And a great question. So um, our watch retails for around 250 versus the Apple Watch is 450 500 for the uh, LTE models. So that's really half the price. Um, we make money off three things. Is One is our wearables, as I mentioned to you. Uh, we have a good margin on those. Number two, we have our monthly uh, system access fee. So we have a, a resale agreement with one of the major uh, telco companies. So what we provide is the monthly software upgrades on the watch and on the um, and on the platforms, and two, we provide, so we charge for that. And we all, within that, we provide the ability to have on your app or on your system a, between a $25 and $30 fee, depending if you want the, the fall texture or not included on there, uh, the whole system of what you can do remotely monitoring versus, you know, fill out some my friend, they charge like on $45 to, to $60 a month uh, at least. And then that's our recurring model that we have. So we charge, again, you know, one-time fee for the wearables, uh, and then we charge, which is accessible, portable, and then we charge a monthly recurring fee between $25 and, and $30, which includes the voice and data on the device and includes all the, uh, the alerts that I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, how many active users do you have, Jacob, on the, uh, the subscription model? Uh, we have under 1,000 uh, users right now. Uh, and we're just looking at ramping up with a couple um, LORs that we have from a few different uh, customers, both here in Canada and in the U.S., yeah, it, it, you know, you, you have a lot of guts to think that you could launch a, a uh, electronic device uh, and go into the healthcare market with it. Uh, Jacob, I tip my hat to you. I really, really do. You keep the spirit Thank alive you. and 
I wish you great, great success. You certainly are um, uh, in uh, a very, very uh, on-trend space, I shall say. Uh, so I, I wish you nothing but success. Uh, you listen to High Fire Radio. It is a show about money. Um, you know, money management is just brilliant. It's, it's, it's exciting. Uh, it's dynamic. Uh, it's ever-changing. Uh, but a week ago, uh, the world was going gaga over a brick-and-mortar uh, video distributor called GameStop. Uh, fast forward uh, 144 hours, i.e. one week, and, uh, well, you're feeling the hangover. Uh, indeed, uh, behavioral finance <laughs> is a big part of the business, and as such, it's always a pleasure, a pleasure to be speaking with an old friend of ours, uh, Amos Nadler. He's now a chief economist at Bayesian Group, uh, used to be a professor uh, I believe it was at Wharton School of Business. Um, I was at University of Western, where they wanted the same, Jack. You would know that. I'm going to go take a quick commercial break and get back with Amos Nadler, Chief Economist at uh, the Bayesian Group. And he's also a uh, specialist in the world of behavior finance, as he was once the professor. Stay tuned. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. There you go, Amos. Hey, Amos, not a chief economist. <laughs> yeah, we're like we're at a wedding, and uh, you're, you're, you couldn't make the wedding, so we're a long distance call from Amos. Yes, indeed, a good old wedding. So, you know, I just thought about I said, I got to queue up a song for Amos Nadler, uh, chief economist, now at Bayesian Group, uh, used to be a, press, a professor of behavioral finance at the Ivy School of business uh, a long-standing guest of course on hi-fi radio uh, almost happy new year to you my friend it's, it's it's a real pleasure to have you uh come back and spend some time with us this saturday night you know normally there would be a few weddings going on in the city but uh no not right now anyways uh if you're about to get married my love is with you and yeah, it'll happen patience 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 and uh uh, we shall get through this. And it's incredible how, you know, the, the market moves forward, the economy moves forward, we as people adapt. Um, but we as people, uh, almost as people, as much as we adapt and evolve and change and get more and more, it's all about the science, we're still people. And so, of course, uh, a week ago, uh, it was all about sticking it to the man, so the narrative said, I say nonsense to that line, um, and, you know, the man, I guess, became the hedge fund who would short a, oh, video store. How dare them short my video store? So the video gamers uh, went on to Reddit to the tune of, I don't know, I heard about some 400 million people. And they ganged up on a short seller finding out what stock they shorted aggressively that was personal to them. And it ended up being this brick and mortar video store called GameStop. And yes, they sold compact desks with video games on them. And uh, the stock went from basically zero or a few dollars. Uh, to north of $500. And I got a few calls. Should I buy GameStop? They were jokingly calls. But I said, oh, my goodness me. And other people asked me, has the world changed? And I said, nonsense. It's a business. It's not a piece of paper. It's a business you're buying. And that business is broke. It's Blockbuster Video, not even 2.0, 1.1. That's uh, what it is, Blockbuster Video. And, of course, this week, the stock uh, rolled right back over. 
Uh, again, the show's being recorded, but right now GameStop is trading at $65.90, down 28% on the day. Uh, but talk about a whole lot of things, almost, and I want you to, I'm sure you've been thinking about this story, but what's your take on it about the collective unconscious, about the little guy getting together, you know, one person calling the shots and everyone following until the straddlers start to, you know, go by the fray and people stop following. And that's exactly what's happening right now. Uh, so speak to the story about GameStop uh, as a, as a professor in behavioral finance, almost. Oh, absolutely. This is a, a classic scenario uh, that actually has uh, quite a deep history to it. If you look back to the idea of people uh, trying to pump prices, you could look back to Amsterdam, the 1600s, with East and West India trading companies, the people literally going into coffee shops and spreading rumors about what's on the ships. Like this, this goes way back. So market manipulation is not a new thing. Uh, in this, this particular reincarnation of market manipulation, it has this sort of guise of sticking it to the man, but it really just looks like a, a coordinated pump and dump if you've ever you know, studied those. Um, but yeah, it's collective action. You said collective unconscious. I love that phrase. It's, this is, I would also say, collective action. A bunch of people getting together to quote unquote stick it to the man. Sure, find a stock that has high short interest. You know, a large significant portion of the float that's uh, being sold short. Find a relatively thin order book, and it doesn't take a lot of people necessarily to make a huge difference. You see it in crypto all the time. You see it in stocks as well. So you know, this is a, a reincarnation, and it's got just a different costume on it. I was going to say, you, you look at what happened here and you see a, really a mob mentality out there with the, the Reddit users and retail trading. But you also see a herd mentality and there is a belief that there's safety in numbers. But the mm -hmm. fact that the GameStop went from 500 or just below that to where it is trading, like Wolfgang said, around $65 right now. Can you speak to the, um, the, the idea of herd mentality? And then obviously this wasn't such a safe trade, even though they were doing it in numbers. Mm hmm. Oh, certainly. I mean, herding is like one of the classic uh, human traits. We talk about it a lot in behavioral finance where uh, people see someone else do something and they often will dismiss their own knowledge or their own belief about something and adopt the belief of the crowd. So we call that information cascades. And people might say, this is a terrible idea, but oh my gosh, millions of people are doing it. I'm going to jump on board. And it's that moment where people start to react rather than think through the situation and I think that's really at the core of behavioral finance is how do people have the wherewithal to keep their, their wits about them, either you know, talk to their advisor, call Jack, call Wolf, call your people, even talk to your, somebody. Don't react impulsively. I mean, who Mike Tyson famously said, uh, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Uh, and I love that phrase because uh, most retail investors have no plan and they're just reacting impulsively. And as you said, Jack, they're hurting. So it's it's super normal and human to feel the urge to participate. That's fine. There's nothing unusual about that. But if you want to preserve your wealth and have a long-term uh, positive success, you need to be careful about these impulses and inhibit those impulses in a variety of ways, which I'm sure you guys you know, work with your clients to, to help uh, kind of rein those in. Great example of hurting, uh, Amos, and we all witnessed mm -hmm. it last year, was toilet paper. Everyone was out mm -hmm. buying toilet paper, and it wasn't because oh, they yeah. needed toilet paper. It was because someone else needed, someone else was buying toilet paper, so they thought it was a good idea. And I mm -hmm. remember actually talking to a client at that time, and they're, they're talking about buying toilet paper. I said, you want to buy paper? You should be buying stocks right now as, a buying, as opposed to buying toilet paper because everyone's selling them at <laughs> discounts, and it was pretty funny. That, no, Jack, that was brilliant. You're right. People are throwing away stocks and yet they're lining up at a grocery store to buy toilet paper. 
No, Jack was right. You should be buying stocks, not toilet paper. That's right, stock certificates. Remember those little pieces of paper? Oh, they look so cool. Uh, but no, those days are done. Digitization has come our way. Uh, you know, again, you speak about a plan. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, retail investors don't have a plan. Uh, that's a bold statement, and, and we see it all the time. And I want to speak directly to that. Uh, again, the type of plan a retail investor should have, and Jack's going to uh, you know, dovetail in here, um, or I'm just going to give him some credit over here. Retail investors, if you want to have a lot of money, if you want to become rich, here's what you need to do. You need to work, you need to save, and you need to invest. And focus on that. All of your energy, work, save, invest. 100% of your energy, work, save, invest. And make sure you have a good individual a professional like a team like jack and i who can help you with the third part the investing part and putting the money to work because guess what almost speak to spoke about people not having a plan i think what you're referring to is a trading plan when retail investors put on their own trades they don't necessarily have an exit plan in fact i know they don't especially with this GameStop. nope they thought it was going to go one way which is up and this is where <laughs> the business requires experience it requires discipline which most people don't have yes discipline and that means managing risk and that's again what experts like jack and i do all day long we manage risk first so that we can again preserve capital and make money rule number one with money management don't lose your money rule number two is reread rule number one uh, don't lose your money it's all about risk management there's many ways of managing risk sector diversification position size, having an exit, understanding how much capital you're willing to truly risk and how you can then work the math and the um, money management in your favor. And that's again where the experts, I think, add a lot of value because experience and a whole lot of academia around that, uh, the statistics and numbers helps you make better decisions. And that's, I think, again, uh, where I think retail investors really, really, really fall short. The, the flip side to that, of course, is when they have some good luck. And again, this GameStop, I had a client call me and say his 17-year-old son uh, is, is getting involved in this GameStop. And hey, guess what? They made 100% on their first day of doing it, right? So you know, back up 14 days, and if you put a GameStop trade on, uh, bammo, you made money. And guess what? What's in your hand is a device that allows you to connect to social media. Um, but let's take this thing somewhere else here, almost again. We're going to bring it all together. Um, uh, the uh, Robinhood accounts and mm -hmm. um, the uh, algorithms and the uh, artificial intelligence. Um, there's another phrase, buzz phrase I'm missing here. Um, but it's basically the artificial intelligence, um, whereby they are watching what you do they are sending you emojis they are encouraging further engagement um to really get you into it which is probably the mm -hmm. one of the worst things you can do is get <laughs> way too close to the trading activity when the name of the game is to be investing and buying into a business and and, and mm -hmm. watching the business unfold its business plan which doesn't happen in three hours it takes three to six years mm-hmm Oh yeah, I, uh, gamification. Yeah, I mean, basically, their uh, Robinhood is expertly drawing people in to engage more and more with the platform, which is what every online platform does. Facebook does the same thing. Instagram, you know, whatever it is, they're trying to get an engagement. Here, engagement doesn't just mean eyeballs; it means dollars. In those dollars that are being traded, their profit models to sell order flow uh, to to much uh, to smart money, and so the whole thing is, you know, a bit. Uh, 
questionable in the sense that you're actually reducing the cognitive quality that the participants are using to make decisions. Well, if you go roll back the clock, you know, 20, 30 years, you had to pick up the phone and talk to somebody who would walk you through the logic of making a decision. And by removing all these intermediate steps, you're basically acting in system one, which we've talked about in the show a bunch of times, that it's like our impulsive, our reactive, non-thinking nature. And if we're letting that determine our finances versus our system two, which is to stop and think, okay, uh, are we in a bubble? What's the fundamental value? Uh, where should I, even if you're in a bubble, you could say we're in a bubble, but I need an exit plan, you know, an entrance and an exit plan, even if you are speculating. None of those things can really happen if you're in an impulsive system one space. So Robinhood's doing that, and a lot of the platforms are doing that. So I think technology that can come up and help aid people's, the quality of their decisions is, is I can tell you for a fact, is being developed. But even just calling and talking to somebody in uh, lengthening the amount of time you spend between de- between thinking about something and deciding, like talking to an expert, is a great way to avoid these big mistakes. Uh, almost, I'm a food guy. Uh, taking a few courses, recreational courses at George Brown College. I do miss those culinary courses. I learned so much, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. But is this just a wonderful escape for me from this uh, very exciting world and all-encompassing world of running money? Uh, but uh, the old saying is, "Too many cooks spoil the <laughs> pot." Uh, you know, engagement is funny because I tell you on a second point, Robinhood wants you to get further engaged. Almost made a very important statement there, ladies and gentlemen. Almost said <clears throat> what Robinhood requires is order flow. They need you to trade aggressively. Hey, it's free, they say, or virtually free, they say. However, they sell that flow to what he said was the smart money. In other words, there is a huge cost by them moving that flow from their desk to someone else's desk. And that is your true cost, my good friends. Never, ever, ever think uh, it is free. And if you don't know who the product is, guess what? It's you. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have some uh, time with Amos Nadler, Chief Economist at the Bayesian Group, company that's involved in cryptocurrency, uh, hedging it, like very complicated stuff. But well, he's a complicated guy, a professor once. Uh, in the world of behavioral finance. That's a very, very dynamic uh, topic. Uh, Always is, uh, and why not in 2021? Stay tuned. We're going to help you have more money. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. All right, my friends, let's get back to it. A little workshop on money. That's what we do. Yep, Jack and I, we help you have more money. If you have any questions, please uh, send them our way. WolfgangKlein.com is your money-making portal. Again, WolfgangKlein.com. We're here for you. Any, any question, no big, no biggie, no smallie. We're here for them all, my good friends. Yep, making up words as I go. Why not? That's what language is all about. It's always evolving. Uh, hey, how's the fam? I hate that. How's the fam? The word's family. Come on. Almost, my good friend, Almost Nadler, chief economist. He just switched companies or a little rebranding going on. Uh, your new company is called Fabric, I understand. Uh, you're formerly a, a, a professor in uh, behavioral finance. Very, very cool topic. But uh, let's talk briefly about your company because, again, you're 
a cut and edge kind of a guy almost. And, uh, you know, behavioral finance is actually very, very new science. That's very cool. But, uh, you know, crypto uh, currency uh, is also a very, very uh, new industry. It's not even a trillion dollars in market uh, capitalization, working its way to that. But uh, speak about your new company and speak about crypto and, uh, yeah, give us some economic talk. Absolutely. Well, I was uh, enjoying my, you know, my uh, life as a uh, finance professor and researcher. But when this came along, there was just no way I could say no to it. Fabric is truly a transformative financial technology company. Uh, what they're, what we're doing is building a system, like a complete ecosystem, where you can transform, hold, and trade any asset that you own. So we're looking, for example, to take illiquid assets and allow them to be tokenized so that they can be made liquid and uh, grow and be traded. Uh, but really, the purpose is to create a fabric, like a seamless financial system that allows people who are unable to really participate very well in the financial system to participate, but also those with uh, tremendous wealth to participate uh, with the range of services that we have. We have an OTC desk, market making services, liquidity provision, tokenization, custody, which is uh, a new thing and an exchange that's going to be launched soon. So it's basically a comprehensive uh, system and are basically what we call we want to reimagine prosperity in, in a very dynamic way. So that's kind of fabric in a, in a nutshell. Uh, there, there's a hedge fund that uh, that's where we started, and that's where I spent a lot of my time uh, basically building uh, trading algorithms, risk management, those types of things for, uh, for clients that uh, want the higher returns uh, approach. But yeah, that's certainly what we do, and digital assets are at the core of, of the technology. But it's not about crypto per se. It's really about the, the underlying technology. Yeah. Um, let us speak. You, you mentioned taking illiquid assets uh, and tokenizing them. Uh, can you mm -hmm. give us some examples? Certainly. The main example you hear uh, about is real estate. So real estate is traditionally an illiquid asset. Uh, there's a high bar for entry and uh, there's a big divide between public and, and private markets for, for real estate. And so there's actually been a fairly big push to make uh, real estate uh, liquid through through markets, through tokenizing apartment buildings or, or other kind of real, real assets. Uh, artwork is another one. We've had conversations with, a, a, I guess I can't discuss who it is, but a household name artist that, that is wanting to tokenize their, uh, uh, their portfolio. Um, I would love to talk about it when this goes public, but uh, yeah, art is a, is a very illiquid market. Let's talk about art. So, okay, so I'm, I'm uh, more so, I think more so is still alive, isn't he? The native artist in Canada, I believe he is. Uh, let, let's say I'm Morriso. Uh, how would I go about tokenizing my art? Or I'm Neil Young. I want to token. Neil Young just tokenized his uh, his revenue, his royalty revenue, but he basically went to, mm -hmm. to, to Wall Street and, and sold them, uh, I guess, with some debt and got a couple hundred million bucks. Uh, but mm -hmm. let's talk art. How, how do you tokenize art? Yeah, our tokenization platform allows you through using blockchain technology to take an asset that you're the you're the owner of and to tokenize it into any number of shares that you want. Now, the tokenization is really using blockchain technology to create "quote unquote" shares or pieces of it, and then make it available to others who can own a fractional amount of that asset, and then they can trade that asset on our exchange. So you could be doing you know Neil Young songs or a fraction of you know of, of that royalty or or a portion of a, a famous piece of artwork. So let's, let's take it to the Mona Lisa. I own part I mean, of the Mona Lisa. Yeah, let's say the Mona Lisa. That's the one we're going to use as examples. So right now it's hanging on a wall. Uh, mm -hmm. Would it stay in the Louvre? Uh, and yet everyone around the world would just be now a, a part owner in it. And if you're part owner in the Louvre, do you get part of the ticket uh, gate? People coming to see the, see the Mona Lisa. How would that work? Or if mm -hmm. I'm a personal collector and I have a piece of art, 
who becomes the custodian of that art? In other words, who holds it if I'm selling tokens on it? Yeah, the, the physical property, you know, that's a great question for our, our brand new custody business that we're just starting now. In terms of physical custody, that that's the one thing I don't know off the top of my head. It's, it's TBD. But the, the key point is that anybody across the world would be able to own a fraction of it, regardless of where it's physically located. And that's the magic of it. That's the point, is it doesn't You know, it's, it's very cool. Like it, with, it, with the Mona Lisa, it works. Just leave it where it is. It's, it's safe. It's protected. And hey, uh, just sell ownership in it. Uh, oh, absolutely priceless, my good friend. Ha, pun intended. Uh, Amos <laughs> Nadler, uh, chief economist uh, with a company called Fabric. We're going to bring him back on. Lots of cool ideas. Real pleasure, man. It really is. I wish you a great success in 2021. Uh, you're a good fellow. I'm looking forward to actually being able to get back into the studio. So I can see mm -hmm. Jack has been a long time and uh, see all of our wonderful guests. It also makes doing radio a little easier. Uh, we don't seem to step on each other's toes as much. But, hey, we do the best we can. As always, Jack did a great job lining up the guests. Friends at home, I want to wish you a safe weekend, a prosperous weekend. If uh, we uh, uh, jarred any uh, thought and uh, any questions, please don't hesitate to give us a call. Again, it's WolfgangKlein.com. Uh, we are here for you and your, well, financial well, being. don't forget to spread the wealth. A lot of needy causes out there, and it's cold in the city and the homelessness. Well, it remains. Please help them. Uh, they need your help. They need your love. Uh, wishing you a good one. Uh, we speaking to you next week. Global News Radio, six forty in Toronto. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.